that. But I also would say, don't listen to me. Don't listen to what, anything I'm saying right now. Just go do it. Find something that is scary and then go try it. And then you won't even listen to the word that I'm saying. You're going to have your own internal feelings of how it felt and how you changed. And because for, for me, I'm always, I'm always going to think about that. I'm always going to think about how differently I felt before and after and how I'm eager to do it again. And the Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Actual Outdoors. They help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation. Said simply, they keep it real. Learn more at actualoutdoors.com. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up, and welcome to episode 140 of Life in Motion. I've got Randall Green with me, who is the host of the podcast, Any Given Runway. Each episode explores new culture through travel. I'm excited to learn more about what inspired him to share these stories into the world and also about his own travels. Uh, Randall, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Yes, yes. I'm excited. Uh, you know, uh, earlier this year or last year, we, uh, I was uh, honored to be a guest on your show and kind of chat. Um, and so I'm excited to kind of flip the script here and, and learn more about you and more about the podcast too, so our audience can check it out. But before we do that, let's start with, you know, who, who is Randall? Where did you grow up? What kind of got you into this, this lifestyle in the first place? Gosh, who is Randall? Uh, hopefully, I'm I'm an interesting person. Hopefully, if we summarize it, I'm just someone who's who's interesting. And I once had someone tell tell me an old mentor of mine that said, in order to be interesting, you have to be interested. So hopefully, if we summarize who Randall is, I'm someone who's just inter inter excuse me interested in everything in life. And I think that goes the root of that probably comes from that I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I grew up in okay. a narrow west. Now west of Phoenix in the middle of nowhere, dirt road, uh, K through eight school with 200 people. Now, the area now has built up, but in the time, Phoenix was, was, is a very young city. So at the time, uh, the suburbs didn't exist. You know, we had to go an hour for grocery shopping, an hour drive to watch a movie. So all those things, I think I missed out on a lot growing up. And once I got into college and started experiencing new things, which I went to Arizona State University, uh, I was just addicted to new things. And I've always... Now, since then, I've just been trying to do everything I can, whether it be new activity, new hobby, learning something new, reading something new, traveling somewhere. And just kind of the more that I do, it's just exponentially made me want to do even more. And I also dual citizen between the United States and England. And I think the root of that oh. opened up my desire to explore new countries as well and, and see the other side, because I think I grew, where I grew up also, there was... It was not a diverse place, but because I had that background, I, I did. I was able to see through a different lens that I think a lot of my peers were unable to. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, you mentioned it not really being a diverse place where you grew up, and then sort of getting that that shock of experiences, I guess, of um, of these different things. Kind of when when you started going to college. What, I mean, do you think kind of that lack, like, is that where that kind of thirst came from just because it was kind of diverse? And, and the reason I ask that, because I'm sort of similar, you know, grew up in a, in a small town, small high school, that kind of stuff, and then kind of expanded out from that. Did you have the similar experience where it's like, what else is out here? Probably, question. Uh, you know, correlation is <laughs> not always causation, but I do think that as I look back when people ask, like, why are you, you know, why are you like this? And they don't necessarily say it as a negative. Why am I like who I am now? That's the only explanation I have as far as it being nature versus nurture aspect. I do think that that was the precursor, but there might be some other aspects of it, of course, just my own innate 
uh, ability to being curious because I was always a reader, always curious about different things in life. But it was just there were so many things I just didn't know until you, and you don't know what you don't know until you see it for the first yeah. hand. And and even with all that, even with going to college, there was still I was still at a, a low baseline. And it wasn't until travel. I've learned more over my travels than I have throughout uh, all of the of my five different college degrees that I have. I've learned more through travel than all those combined. Yeah, well, that that makes sense. You can't uh, you can't learn everything uh, just by reading about it, you know. So so yeah. when that I, I what was your first um, I guess like travel experience? Like what what led up to that? That kind of kick started this whole journey because I know you've been a ton of places since then. But like what what was kind of that first experience? that were like, hey, you know what? I'm going here, and then this is kind of how it how it kind of projected the the rest of the way. You know, it's a very simple, simple beginning, a small genesis, and it's a one probably as old as time, and it'll make you laugh and probably the last answer you're thinking, but it was following a relationship, a relationship that didn't go well. And it was just a time where I was kind of down, wanted to do something. I was, you know, it was one of the points where it's like, I got to do something. I have to do something. I have to do something new in my life. And uh, it was, like, hey, I'm just going to go travel. And I hadn't done that. And that was, I want to say 2013. It was the first big trip I took. And before that, I had done kind of nickel and dime trips in the United States and to baseball games and whatnot. But it was to England and to Spain. And that was, that was the first one. And there was a lot of apprehension leading into that. You know, it's the first time you're spending that much money and there's that apprehension when you're clicking the purchase button. And <laughs> should I do this? Is it worth it? And just all the uncertainty that comes with it. And it was not like a, a slam dunk thing like, oh, I'm definitely going to travel. There was definitely a lot of doubt whether it was a smart move to do so. But like I tell anybody who faces that uncertainty of trip, the first thing that you think of when you land back in, in your initial home is where to next. And that's exactly what happened. I did the short trip to Barcelona, Madrid, London, and, and then instantly when I came back, it's like, okay, I like that. That was cool. Where else can we go now? <laughs> so where, where am I going to start saving up the money for the next, the next one? I love it. Was that, so was that an extended trip? Like was that over a couple of weeks, a month, or...? Just a short one. I would do short ones like just a week long, but it was uh, okay. planned it around some planted around some international football, caught, caught Barcelona, caught Messi, caught Ronaldo in, uh, with Real Madrid. And then and it was just a wintertime thing. And then that actually was got me in, uh, addicted to traveling during the winter, which I think I do a lot of my trips now during the winter. <laughs> that that's awesome. So so when you when you did that and kind of got that first taste, you know, you're kind of apprehensive at first and everything. What well, I guess the you know, like, like you mentioned, there's that, that, you know, you're not that uncertainty almost of, Hey, I'm going to this new place, whether that's the same speaking language, you know, whether it's English or Spanish or whatever that might be like, what, what were some like the surprises, like for that first trip to like, Oh, wow, this like is not ex at all what I thought it was going to be. And like much, I guess, smoother maybe, or maybe it wasn't. Jeez. With that one, it's hard to precisely pick out what was surprising, but I think I'll think of some time, some ones over time. It, little small kind of innocuous things would come up and when you would see that there's a different way of doing things for example in the united states we have three lights red yellow and green and everybody knows them from from kindergarten they know what they do but in other countries not only do they drive on a different side they also have different lights and the first time i saw that was in iceland and it exists also in england and some other countries but they have and they call it, they don't call it yellow they call it the amber light but they have the amber light go both before and after the red. So 
as it's red, it will then turn yellow, letting you know it's about to turn green. And it, it was it was such a small thing, such an innocuous occurrence. But it was like, wait a minute, if something like that, something so common, some so, that's been normalized in my life for years that I just assume is the only way it works, then what else is out there? What else is different? And it taught me that very few things in life exist that are just black and white. There's much of it's in the margins, much of it's in the gray. And that was an eye opener for me because it it was like, well, what else? What else is 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 different? What else is have I been viewing through a certain lens that can be viewed through a different option? Yeah, yeah, and it's you know the the small things and even like you know how different you know people interact and stuff like that. It, it you know every time that I've traveled and visited a place, you know, much like you, you bring it back home and and it, it kind of helps shift your perspective almost. I feel like um, of kind of your quote unquote you know normal world. Um, so, and and one thing you mentioned uh, a little while ago. So you're you're a dual citizen of uh, uh, England and the the U.S. Yes, yes. So what what inspired you to do that? You know, growing up in Arizona, family ties, or just, or I guess, what opportunities yeah, did yeah. that that open? Well, I'll tell you this: minimal opportunities. There's very minimal opportunities, but probably more so for my ego than anything else. When I, I love to walk around and, and and hold and make sure everybody sees that I've got two passports. But uh, <laughs> and jokingly, I tell people that I always go to the I go to the shortest immigration line. But that was before Brexit. Now that Brexit occurred and England's out of the EU, I don't really have that many advantages of that. But it was just yeah, family that I have from from England is on one side, and the other side is is from not too far from you, but in, um in missouri so yeah oh awesome well no it's that's that's uh interesting i don't um you know i didn't didn't i guess that thought has never crossed my mind to to do that or you know what that looked like so that's that's interesting so um after you know that that first trip you know you came back you were you know you knew there had to be something next what what was that something else like since then and obviously we don't have to go through every single trip but what are some of the places that you've been like how many places and and maybe maybe some kind of tidbits from them oh yeah I, that question gets asked a lot and i've kind of learned to summarize it efficiently <laughs> where i talk about my favorite cities i've been to are favorite cities are of course london and paris and then i would say the the, the country i would recommend most to people that's two i would say italy or iceland the countries with the best outdoors, Iceland and Scotland. Um, best food on the planet is, is surprisingly, it's not Italy. It is Istanbul, <laughs> Turkey. It is fantastic. And the places where I feel different, I feel different in London and Paris. A uh, place that surprised me the most was Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Place where I was perhaps disappointed. Uh, I, Egypt, Cairo, Egypt was a, was a bit really? disappointing. You just have to kind of know what you're getting into with each. I went in with different perceptions, but I, I would go again. There's not a place I wouldn't ever return to. And there's not a place I wouldn't go to once. I do want to visit every country. And those are some of the highlights. I will say there's a couple of those, oh my goodness moments where you, you see something, you're like, am I really, really here? And the first time you see the Eiffel Tower, or the first time you see the Elizabeth Tower, but also the Gulfoss Waterfall. In Iceland, as far as a natural thing, was one of those. Oh my goodness, this is this is just speechless. And one of those where you had to look to the person right and left of you and say, "Are you are you looking at this as well?" And that was that was Gulfoss waterfall. 
Uh, and, and the pyramids as well. The pyramids were, were great. And I did that to, to celebrate a book launch. And that was also one of the most terrifying experiences because I, I galloped a horse through the Sahara. And that was just, I don't know, oh. mind terrifying. But that also has led me to find more opportunities to be terrified because those moments I feel are, are essential. But I guess that's the kind of the main summary of, of the place I've been to. It's predominantly at this point been Europe, but looking to expand into other continents more so. Over the next yeah. uh, over the next year, yeah, absolutely. No, it sounds like quite a quite a few uh, uh, adventures, uh, if you will. Um, some some of some similar places that I've been to um, as well, which is awesome. I'll say one thing. You know, you talked about kind of disappointment. I never really had like a disappointment about one of the places I've been, but I was super disappointed when uh, my wife and I did the extended uh, or our extended trip. And, you know, I had my passport. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to you know fill this thing up. And then you get to the, the EU and you're like, realize, like, you don't have to, you know, get you don't get stamped every country you go to or every place you go to. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't look like I went anywhere. It's like kind of one of those ego things. But uh, uh, anyways, oh, yeah. that, that kind of sparked oh, yeah. that memory. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's such a, it puts an archaic thing. And in fact, that so many passports now are digital. In fact, you get on yeah. in the United States and you're actually they just take a photo of your face and they can run it through. So there are less needs of that. However, that archaic stop we still love that getting that stamp and it's yeah it's funny how that that does happen but yeah there was a bit of disappointment in, in not getting a stamp for everyone but and <laughs> when it, it did make me think about as far as when i mentioned being slightly disappointed in cairo it also and on the same token cairo is a place i'm probably most proud to have visited as well because of the challenges that i faced there. i'm glad i went even though i was a little disappointed overall but and then other other when I think of just being proud of going to places, it it is usually the the atypical locations, Egypt or Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, some of the smaller ones recently, Tallinn, Estonia. Super proud to visit the ones that are not necessarily on everybody's to do list. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there's you know probably to your point like not being on everybody's to do list that there's kind of less touristy aspects to it too, which I'm sure has a you know offers a, a different experience, um, as well. So, so, you know, in between, um, you know, kind of, uh, traveling the world, uh, and, and globetrotting and, and seeing all there is to see, um, you also host a podcast, which, you know, basically shares other people's travel stories. Where, where did that idea come from and kind of what inspired you to, I guess, seek out these other individuals that were having similar experiences as you? Yeah, and it's 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 a cascade domino effect of things and no desire to really ever do a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. I felt I had no desire, didn't want to be part of that club. I think there's a Woody Allen quote that's I wouldn't want to join any club that would have me as a member. So I didn't ever want to do a podcast because <laughs> I just thought that everybody had one. But it goes back to to starting traveling. So when my first few trips were all by myself and I was embarrassed. I was super embarrassed that I was traveling by myself. I thought growing up, anytime you do anything by yourself, uncool or a nerd or whatever it is, like growing up, you, you, you couldn't go to your movies by yourself. You always had to pee. And I think there was this insecurity that I had always. So the first trip I went on, I went on by myself, but I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody that I would, in advance that I was going, number one. And number two, when I would see someone or meet someone or message someone, the first question they always asked was, who are you with? And I'm like, oh, uh, you know, my friend's meeting me here. Or my friend's over there. Or he's on a different flight or whatever it may be. And then I did that the first few trips and I still was just kind of couldn't get over the fact of like maybe the stigma that existed or, or didn't exist, but I was still insecure about it. And then one day someone was like, wait a minute, you're here by yourself. That's really cool. And I was like, you know, the light went off. I'm like, is it? It's, it's cool. You, is it? And they're like, yeah, but you got a lot of great stories. And then I was like, 
so it kind of was it was interesting because it was so then i started becoming more comfortable with it to the point where it almost became a badge where it's like okay I think it's beneficial to travel by yourself. Not only is it something to get over that stigma and, and develop more confidence, but also just the, the introspection you develop and the evolution that you have as, as a person, I think is it happens more when you are by yourself and you can also do what you want. There's just, so I, I decided to write a, a book on how and why everybody should travel by themselves. Cause I do think that everybody should, even if it's not necessarily a big, long trip across the pond, even if it's just a day trip going hiking in the mountains. Everybody needs time by themselves. And if you're strong on your own, you can definitely be stronger in a, in a relationship. So after I was writing the book and I would did some various promotional tours for that on radio stations, I would do interviews like this. They would always ask, well, what else? And I, I was like, oh, you know, that's it. I just got a book. So I, I felt I needed something else to talk about, number one. But number two, I also realized that writing a book is great, but not everybody reads. And yeah, maybe even less so now than ever before. So I needed another way to to spread the information outside of books. So it was kind of developed out of necessity because of I've got family members who haven't read any of the books I've written because they just don't read. And I should I'm not going to ever expect them to read that if they're not readers. That's just that'd be silly on my end. The start of the show as a way to continue talking about travel, continue talking to learn. And I think probably selfishly more than anything, just to continue to learn new ideas and new topics and meet people who are interesting. Because I've found that the people I've been able to meet, uh, we're coming up on 600 episodes, and the people I've been able to meet, they wouldn't have talked to me if I didn't have a podcast. If I would have just messaged them out of the blue and said, hi, you know, can you tell me about your life? They would think I'm a weirdo. But when you have that podcast on there, you can actually reach out to someone and they're like, oh, okay. And, and then it, it, uh, you've probably experienced the same thing, but as your episodes accumulate and as your guests increase in stature it's actually easier to then find new guests it was hard when i had three episodes up and someone would be like yeah who are you but when you do have 500 in your bank and they see the the diverse list of guests that are on there they're more inclined to say yes i would think so it and with that like just through travel it's so wonderful to be able to visit people in these different locations and have a new set of people that i know uh, i could even call them friends and i was in one location and screwed up my visa and wanted to go somewhere else. And I messaged someone that I interviewed on the show. I said, hey, you around? And they said, yes, all right, you want to grab lunch tomorrow? And this was in a different country. We made it happen. And, and it was just really cool. We chatted till, till midnight in the middle of, middle of you know, rundown area. And uh, it's just been really neat that I've been able to kind of augment my peers in a lot of way and, and to have all these fantastic people that I, I can chat with and learn from. And it's just continuing to expand my own curiosity, which is been the best thing about it yeah no no that's great and and so the the fact that um kind of kind of jumping back a little bit you know you mentioned you know you're kind of hesitant to tell people you were traveling traveling alone and then kind of shared that and then through the book um was was that more of like I guess was, and, and I say this kind of coming from myself, I'm, I would consider myself a, a introvert in some ways. So I'm kind of a shy guy in, in, in public. So do you think it was more of like, were you kind of outgoing still that way, but you like not necessarily afraid of that, but more just like the, I guess the appearance of that. And then like, once that the book was out and people were getting feedback, did you, did you see like, I guess, responses from other people like, uh, I, I guess where it was helping them break it out of their own shell. If it wasn't necessarily breaking out of their own shell, it was definitely they wanted to know questions more than anything. So I guess it was helping them as a process, but it was 
I, I have seen an increase in the amount of people who are traveling by themselves compared to when I first started 10 years ago. It does seem more common now, and I meet a lot more people now. And there's just so many benefits of it that I like. You mentioned being an introvert. I've actually changed over the life. I used to be an extrovert. Now I'm an introvert. And for me, I think it increases with age. Uh, it's probably not, a, it's not, of course, for everybody. But for me, my introversion has increased with age. And when you're traveling, there's days where you don't want to talk to somebody. And there's days when you do. And if you're by yourself, at least you can choose that. When you're with other people, yeah. sometimes you need to get away. And I mean, I was even on a recent trip where I was with someone for a couple of days. And then I just, I had to go somewhere else. They were great. It was awesome. I had a wonderful time. It was a fantastic experience. But like by day three, that was it for me. I needed to get away and just like read in my room by myself and not talk to anybody, not go anywhere. And I needed that. And that's what I love about solo travels. I'm able to do that, you know. And I think of all the other conveniences too, as far as you go to a museum and you stand in front of a piece of art. Recently saw, I saw water lilies recently at the, at the National Gallery in, in London and it's fantastic. But when you're at, when you're with someone else and you go to an art museum, there's that awkward pause of like, okay, did I, have I stood in front of this thing long enough before I move <laughs> on? Because if I move on too soon, is my partner here going to be like, well, you didn't, you know, you, what are you doing? Why'd you leave too soon? There's, and maybe that's just also the thoughts that introvert has. I don't know, but. There's that, that awkwardness of like, how long do you stand in between each one when you're with someone else? But when you're by yourself, you don't have to worry about it. You can just be like, cool, that's the Mona Lisa. Awesome. I saw it. Now I'm on to something else. And I do love that freedom more than anything. And, and, and it, is, it is becoming more common. And I, I hope, hopefully uh, it, it is the, the freedom that people appreciate and love as well. But, and it's the balance of having time to themselves. And if, if I helped them, great. But it was never, never the intention of necessarily helping other people. It was more of just a kind of surprise that I, I, I think I was surprised of how much I could have, could be a resource. Like all the information I had, I assumed everybody had the same. And it was just when people would be like, wait a minute, how do you, how do you buy a ticket? And there was, I was, I was surprised to, to see the kind of lack of knowledge when it comes to like people traveling. A lot of people didn't even know yeah. how to get a, a passport or whatever it may be. So I, there's, I think there's just that, that knowledge that I thought was just common knowledge and it's not. So I was surprised about that. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you, you, th th there's things that, you know, some people think are, are simple, like, oh yeah, it's, you just do this as this, but some other people, you know, you got to kind of ex expose and, and kind of share that experience with them to kind of uh, help push them over the edge. And so it sounds like you did that in that sense. And so and it's and it's cool to hear kind of how that trans how how that that first book kind of transitioned into the podcast, and now now you know obviously as it's grown um, or grown, uh, you know where where are you finding the guests and are like during your travels are you meeting with these people um, and recording like on site you know wherever they're at as well or is it primarily you know when you're back home in the states that that you're recording um, with these individuals? As far as where am I finding guests, it's a little of both. There are people that I meet. And interview them directly and there's also just when i go to bed i, I set a limit of like x amount of people i want to in investigate and i just think what what don't i have i want when it comes to the guest list of the show i want there to be no cor direct correlation i want it to be so random and i do that by thinking okay i've had a musician now let me get let me get what am, what's what's something i know nothing about okay the sport highlight i know nothing about so find someone who does sport highlight okay let me find someone who's a, a paraglider and all these things that i just have no clue about i just they're in brainstorm okay you know what yeah I, i've never met anybody from myanmar let me find someone from there so we're at we're at 70 countries we're on the way to to all 
all 200 plus countries. So it's just a constant brainstorming part of it. And then also the people I met, I was in a hostel in London recently that looks like the best way to describe it. It, it looked like the set in Squid Game and just bunks okay. up high, three different levels of bunks. There were 30 of us in a room. And surprisingly, the bigger the, the hostel like that, people are actually better behaved. I think it's the the group dynamics make people feel the need to be more polite as opposed to when I've been in a, a hostel of only like four to six people. But at the top of this, the bomb was on the third, third story with these bunks. And when you're on the top, it's great. It's fantastic. But it is very fragile in its stability. And so the people <laughs> underneath you, if they toss and turn, guess what? You're, you're tossing and turning as well. <laughs> and it was shaking. It was shaking very badly. And I, I looked down like, what is going on? I thought someone was specifically shaking. And I popped my head out. And the guy was like, oh, my bad. You know, I'm just trying to get ready or whatever. And we started chatting. And I was, I was like not having it at first. I did not want to talk to this person because I was just like, I thought he was just disrupting my sleep. But then goes talking and he'd been traveling for 12 months. He's like, oh, this is my 52nd week of travel. And it's like, get oh, out wow. of here. So a lot of them are a lot. Yeah, a lot of them I meet in advance. And a lot of them I, I, or a lot of them I prep in advance and I haven't met while traveling. But it is really cool to have guests on the show who I had. I have met before, like that's, that's really neat. I think I would love if every guest I had met before, but I also know that's not feasible. And I also know that by having that, it would also limit the people I chat with. But if I don't meet him in advance, I definitely like to meet him after the show. There's been quite a few that afterwards I'm like, cool, you know, next time I'm in wherever, I'll give you a ring. And including most recently, the one, one that stands out is, his name is Ruud Van Hollen from Texel, Netherlands. And gosh, I interviewed him a year, like 5,000 followers on, on Instagram and at the time. And every day he starts every morning for the last 20 years with a cold dip in the North Sea. Now, cryotherapy is popular and cold dips are popular in, in frigid locations. And he's been doing it for 20 years. He says he never gets sick. He says it's like his cup of coffee. It's a great way for him to start the day. It helps him with mental. And I told him just nonchalantly, I say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to come. I'm going to come one day and I'm, I'm going to join. And he was just like, yeah, whatever. You know, everybody says that. Messaged him in, in uh, just a month ago. I said, hey, I'm on the way. And he was just blown away that I, I came all the way <laughs> from the States. And I went out there and did a cold water dip. It was nine, negative nine Celsius. And the water was about, I think it was the water was about 40 Fahrenheit. And I was so terrified, so dang afraid of going in the water. And we were in there for eight minutes. And by, by minute seven, I was like, hey, it's not bad. It's not bad. And that was, that's actually when your body's starting to shut down. But it was, it was such an amazing experience. <laughs> and it was someone, again, I, had I not done that, or had I not had the show, I would not, would not have been able to do that. And, and then since then, you know, we, we talk every day. And now he's up to like 30,000 plus followers. And it's just been really neat to, to see that. And so it, if I don't know him in, in advance, uh, then I definitely try to continue. I don't, I, I would love, I, my goal is that, an interview is not just a one-off that like, it's the only time I talk to him. My goal is to develop and build relationships like Rue Van Holland and people that I know around the, around the globe and Jack Ferguson, another guy who is in Bangkok. So just things like that. It, I try to be curious, try to think of what do I not know anything about? And then the goal is to then just to develop some type of going forward. Yeah. that's a, And you're, you're talking about the Iceman, right? Iceman Rude. If I'm saying his name right. I, Rude Van Holland. Uh, yeah, the island it goes by the Island Iceman because he's on the Texel Iceman. Island, there we go. Just, 
yeah. well, we um, because no, I interviewed him as well. Um, so that's that's actually really funny um, to hear that you went over there and experienced that with him because that, that was a great conversation that uh, that him and, and I had. So so a small world. I don't know that might have been a year or so ago that I spoke with him, but um, that's cool that you went over there and actually actually did that uh, and jumped in the freezing cold water. It seems so. Uh, it seems so crazy, you know, when, when you hear him talking about it and then to actually not that I've actually done it, but, you know, now that you've been able to actually do it and, and maybe see a little benefits and obviously he gets benefits from it. But that's it's I, re- I kind of like I, I love your your approach to finding guests, you know, kind of letting your own uh, curiosity kind of lead the way to learn new things. Um, obviously create a, a connection and network across the world for your travels. And then, you know, if they come over to the States as well. Um, and so, so that's really kind of exciting to hear that. And then at the same time, you know, you're, you're kind of, um, indulging your audience with these different experiences as well. Um, which I think sort of leads you, you just recently released a new book, right? Yes. Yes. Book number three. Book number, book number three. So, uh, what is, what is that all about? Well, from all the people I met with all, a big chunk of the interviews was done during the pandemic. And I learned a couple of valuable lessons from talking to every, people during the pandemic every day and, uh, because everybody was faced with the same word. Everybody was faced with uncertainty. The whole planet was faced with uncertainty and doubt. And what do we do next? So when you're talking to musicians, they're not a musician and they don't have anything to perform to. And if they're not performing, they're not making money. So what do they do? How did they adapt? And whether, and then explorers and other professions, how did they adapt during the pandemic? And I learned you got to find a way to adapt and I learned not to waste negative energy. So those were the two main goals that I learned. But after talking to everybody, I figured this is another great resource that I've done 500 interviews with people, how they've handled the pandemic. And that's, it was a document. I was basically documenting a historic moment in humanity. So the interviews were thrown together in a compilation of all, all of the 500. And it was just how they responded to the uncertain times, how, did doubt inspire innovation? Because I think we are at our most creative and our most innovative during times of uncertainty, during times of doubt. And, and hearing the guests find out how they changed, how they adapted, how they found new ways of income or new ways of being created, it was really cool to see. So it, the most recent book, Uncertainty, is just the kind of the exploration of the relationship between doubt and, and innovation. Yeah. That's a, uh, no, that's, that's, it's true. You know, everybody's, you know, kind of adapted through those situations. And I think even, you know, before that, you know, and, and you probably have that experience as well, but, you know, during my travels, once outside of the country, uh, I'm very uncertain about what's going on, but I am like kind of comfortable within that. And you find different ways to kind of create and, and kind of go with the flow. Um, so I think that's kind of a, you know, a, a part of travel as well to be able to kind of um, get over that and, and kind of adapt in your own way. Yeah, and now, and now I, um, I seek out uncertainty and I want to be someone who's uncomfortable or comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's why I, I've looked to do things like the cold water dip and finding other things also went and, and did a lesson on free diving. And someone was asking me like, well, you know, what, what's next? And I had to just kind of look inward and find like, well, what terrifies me? And, and it's you know, a lot of times it's anything with uncertainty. And Knowing that that's where you get ideas from now, I, uh, I hope to capture any time that I'm feeling a certain way and then capture it into art, capture it in project, whatever it may be. So I've, in a way, it's very similar to taking my insecurity of traveling solo and then turning that into a book, turning that into a podcast and so forth. 
now I'm taking the insecurities of uncertainty and flipping that into being comfortable doing that. So taking my weaknesses and, and, and turning them into something that hopefully is, is one of my strengths. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I love, I love that perspective. And so I, I guess with, you know, that, that just kind of coming out and what, what are the, I guess the 2023 plans, I guess, as far as, um, traveling or any different, um, projects and that kind of stuff. Is there, is there something, I, I guess, a, a uh, 2023 bucket lists per se. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got those, I've got many of those written up. Uh, there, there's <laughs> a novel in the works, a novel in the works, number one, but as far as travel goes, uh, a big one, a big one in March, and that's going to be climbing Kilimanjaro, which is something that I would never have thought to do. Not if it not been for the show, meeting other people who had done it and interviewing people who have done it. And, and then a, a, an envy jealousy factor when I see I'm like, well, if they did it, I can do it. It's like when you're running a marathon and you see someone, uh, someone older than you, 20 years older than you run past you, you're like, well, dang, if they can do it, I can run faster. So for me, it's <laughs> like, nah, I'm going to do Kilimanjaro. So that'll be in, in March and some other travel ones after that, but I try not to get too far ahead. So I'm trying to just focus on, on that one first, but that, so that'll be right around uh, the end of March. Awesome. That will be, no, that, that's, that'll be exciting, uh, to do. I've, I've spoken with some people that have, that have experienced that, um, as well. So I'm sure you'll have a, an excellent time. So, uh, one thing I always kind of like to ask, uh, our guest is, uh, one piece of advice for our audience that they can kind of take away. Um, and I think, uh, in, in your case, through your experiences and and kind of soaking in other people's experiences and their stories, um, going back to the uncertainty thing, what what would your advice be to somebody who's, I guess, afraid of that uncertainty uncertainty uh, to kind of go out and explore the world and get these experiences um, in kind of these faraway places? There's tons of analogies and everything that you know, people can use about about getting out of your comfort zone and whatnot. But I'll just, when, I, when I look back on that cold water dip, and I, I mentioned this one because it's the most recent one, there wasn't any fear when I was in the water. The fear was the, the two minutes walking from the beach to the water, and I wouldn't let Rude out of his sight, and I was puppy-dogging him around. I was tethered to him because I was so scared. But when you got in the water, you're, there wasn't any fear then. There wasn't any fear the rest of the day. So then it, it dawned on me that you know all that fear was just kind of your own creation. and Yes, it's it's not easy. You know, it's there for a purpose. Our, our, we're naturally inclined to be afraid of of a uncertainty and things that potentially could be dangerous. But it was it was, it was just an interesting experience because when I, when I look back, I'm like, the, there was no fear afterwards. There's no fear during the water, and everything's got a process. And if you plan and prepare and do things correctly, you can do these things, right? If if you just looked at skydiving without all the background and the safety behind it, you would say it's insane. But you talk to a skydiver and they say, no, this is safe because we've got this X, Y, Z, all these things. Same with scuba diving. Men aren't lived or people aren't meant to breathe underwater. But if you go through all the safety checks, everything's going to be fine. And I think we just create our own fear so much. And I, I know I do. I create my own fear kind of just out of worry, out of whatever it may be. And once you get once your brain gets a hold of it, it won't stop and it keeps going. So as far as for other people, I would, I would first tell them to meditate and get into meditation. But secondly, I would just say that most of that fear is that fear is it's gone the second you get, get in the water. And I think that might be a great metaphor for all of it. And I think that's why Rude does what he does as well, because it just shows it's a man-made construct 
as far as you can learn to ignore it. And I know that I'm, I'm going to go back and do it again. Again, it's just a big lesson. It just shows how you look at something. Next time I go for that water, I'm, I'm excited to jump in. I'll probably run into it. And it's, that's a polar opposite, no pun on the polar, but in polar opposite of <laughs> how I felt before. I was so terrified before, but now I'm, I'm, I'm going to run into the water. And it's just, it's just how a viewpoint is made in our own paradigms. And it, it, it changed for me on that. So why can't it change on everything I do? Why can't it change at the gym? Why can't it change next time I'm on the treadmill and I'm afraid to go faster? I've already shown my own body that I, that I can change based on just my own perception. So for me, it's going to be a reminder to always try something new because it's, it's just something we created in our minds. So hopefully other people would say that. But I also would say, don't listen to me. Don't listen to what, anything I'm saying right now. Just go do it. Find something that is scary. And then go try it. And then you won't even listen to the word that I'm saying. You're going to have your own internal feelings of how it felt and how you changed. And Because for me, I'm always, I'm always going to think about that. I'm always going to think about how differently I felt before and after and how I'm eager to do it again. And same with free diving. Scared out of my mind. But then I did it. And it was like, there's a, you understand the science behind it. And towards the end, I was, I was the, as we were coming back to shore, I was the last one out because I was still like practicing, still diving. I wanted more of it. So it, it's, it's funny. It's funny how, how we trick ourselves into not doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, that makes sense. And, and, you know, it's kind of, you know, hindsight once of, of how little or how made up that fear was, I guess, um, you know, after you, you try something like that, that you're, that you're uh, worried about. So I, that's that's excellent advice. And and to that point, where where can people find you online? Um, check out the books, check out the podcast, um, and kind of see where you're where you're off to next. Hey, well, first thing when it comes to the book, I tell people you don't have to read it, just buy it. That's all I you know. Hey, if you don't even if you're not a reader, <laughs> still buy it anyway. But predominantly on Amazon, the, the the two books are available on Amazon right now: Uncertainty and Curiosity, which are kind of sister books. They go along. They're, I wouldn't call them a sequel or anything like that, but they definitely go in tandem. And then easiest way on Instagram, mostly TikTok as well, any given runway, that's where everything's at. And Twitter as well. It's a not, don't quite use it as much lately, but uh, I'd say predominantly any given runway and, you know, message me and then we'll, we'll, we'll grab, we'll grab some food or drink wherever you're at one day. And I'll learn more about whoever you are and you can teach me something new and we can go do something scary together. Awesome. Well, everyone, definitely uh, make sure you check out the book, check out uh, all the social stuff, uh, see what's up to, listen to the podcast. Um, great guest on there. Obviously, a lot of uh, kind of diverse experiences that he's sharing. But I appreciate you taking the time to share your story today um, and kind of inspire us to get out there and kind of face that fear and, and kind of see, see the world uh, as we all should. And I wish you the best of luck uh, in 2023 and uh, all your new adventures. Thank you. Thank you. And same, same goes to you. I hope one day we get to share some stories in person as well. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.